I'm in Kathy's house, saying hi to Kathy's pet corgi, drinking out of Kathy's coffee mug. You know Kathy. She made that famous newspaper comic strip that was nationally syndicated for over 30 years. It was called Kathy. So this is the Kathy Shrine. It's the (laughs) tribute to my failed merchant licensing empire. The comic strip's creator is also a Kathy, Kathy Guyswipe. Right now, we're in a tiny room off her kitchen. By the door is a life-sized Kathy doll. On the shelves are Kathy figurines dressed up for Mother's Day. Kathy cake pan. Here we are. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so if you make the cake, it actually is in the shape of Kathy. The Kathy character was known for her obsession with the four guilt groups, food, work, love, and mom. Her honesty about her struggles paved the way for characters like Bridget Jones, Carrie Bradshaw, and Liz Lemon. I wanted Kathy to be like Garfield was, but for women, you know, to be a little touchstone, you know, on a working woman's desk, you know, to make her feel like somebody else is in there trying and surviving. But in the 1980s, no one wanted to be Kathy, even if they saw themselves in her. Greeting cards and calendars did best. We tried many things that did not work so well, but it's fun to look at them. Now compare that to her peers. Peanuts, Calvin and Hobbes, newspapers are dying, but their merch is still selling. When the Kathy Strip retired in 2010, the trending topic on Twitter that day was hashtag ways Kathy should end. The comic Julie Klausner suggested hoarding experts arrive too late to find Kathy flattened under a heap of diet aids, cats, and dating books, which is so wrong. Kathy had a dog. It implies that any woman who stays single without kids must be some defective spinster aunt, while Calvin and Hobbes are your cool bachelor uncles with a sled. How often do you come in here? (laughs) The main time I come in here is if we have guests, then I put a blow-up air mattress on the floor, and then I just pray to God that they don't have nightmares about Kathy for the rest of their lives because they're surrounded with all these images. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Andrea Salenzi. A few years ago, I was sitting on my couch next to an empty pint of fudge ripple ice cream, waiting for some guy to text. And it hit me. I had become one of the Kathy comic strips I used to love to read. So I looked up the author, went to her Wikipedia page, curious about my fate. And that is when I stumbled on this amazing fact. The Kathy behind Kathy didn't stay on the couch. When she didn't meet Mr. Wright in her 30s, she intentionally became a single mom when she was 41 years old. It was 1992. Four people did that. Today on the show, we're going to hear what it was like for Kathy when her life diverged from her character namesake. So much of the cartoon was drawn to address the demands on women, from our bosses to our boyfriends to our own mothers. But the joys and demands of single motherhood? Kathy Guys White is finally talking about those in her new memoir. When Kathy graduated from college, it was 1972. The women's movement was just peaking. She took a job working as an advertising copywriter in Detroit. It was uncool to get married and have children at the time. So there was great pride in being on my own. And I loved it. And I will say that one by one, I checked off the things I wanted to find in a guy that I found in myself. In 1976, Kathy's comic was syndicated to 66 newspapers. By 1980, she was in 150 papers, 
earning enough extra income from the comic to quit her job and move to California. She now had a successful career and was dating in her 30s. I would lust after the guy with a great car, and then I'd go, well, wait a minute, I'm making money. I could buy my own great car. And then I like the guy with the big house, and I went, well, wait a minute, I'm making my own money. I could have my own house. And this was not my quote. I think Gloria Steinem said it. We became the men we wanted to marry. And it was a little bit that. I mean, it was thrilling to be on my own, to make my own money, make my own decisions, answer to nobody except my dog. And I loved that. Kathy's observations about this new world of gender roles is what made her comics successful and compelling. In one strip, cartoon Kathy is home with her boyfriend, Irving. She says, Oh, Irving, I have my work in my lap you by my side. My life is so full. He looks annoyed. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm sick of sharing my time with your work, Kathy. Goodbye. Alone on the couch, Kathy picks up her work papers and jams them into the wastebasket. Blah. In her real life, Kathy felt like she had to choose between career and family. I declared when I was 35 to my mom and dad that I was not ever going to get married and I would never have children, that I was so happy with my career. I was completely fulfilled and it was unnecessary. What brought about that conversation? (laughs) Because I was turning 35 and they were looking at me across the table and asking those questions that parents, you know, ask 35-year-olds. So, you seeing anybody? No? Still? No? So let me flip to a Kathy comic that I love here. Cartoon Kathy is having coffee with her friend. Her friend says, are you worried about running out of time to have a baby, Kathy? Kathy says, sometimes, sure. I think it would be so wonderful to have a baby to take care of. Then I think about how much I love my own time. My whole life revolves around me, and I love that. Me, me, me. Kathy rests her chin on her hand. I'm torn between wanting to have one and wanting to be one. It was such a different time because now it's like so cool to be a mom and it's so cool to be a working mom. I mean, back then, nobody figured out how to do both things. You did one or the other. And people started talking about having it all, but having it all was literally having a job and having a child. Having it all now for young women, is having a job, (laughs) having the big career, having the wonderful child, having a loving, meaningful relationship, being a global change maker, having a podcast, having a website, having a social media presence, composting your garbage, you know, all of that, and still being a size five all at once. How did your parents respond to the news at 35 that when you declared you were never getting married, never having kids? If they were the comic strip parents, they would have just been screaming and weeping. But my parents in real life were just so gracious. They always sort of thought as Kathy in the comic strip as their grandchild. And they were so proud of my career and so proud of me. They were wonderful. The guilt Kathy felt over not getting married manifested in her comics. In one, it's springtime. Her mom is noticing the baby robins and baby squirrels. She tells Kathy... It's baby season. Time to think about babies. Kathy looks confused. Her mom eventually shouts, Get out there. Get married. Have a baby. Kathy points a finger in the air, as if she just remembered something. Oh yeah, it's on my to-do list. In real life, Kathy's parents made it clear that they loved her and supported her choice. In fact, my mom had been 
we did this back then. I don't think anybody does it now, but my mom had been saving a box of wedding silver for me since I was born, one spoon at a time. Every birthday, every Christmas, I would get one more little piece of silver that would go into my box. And the idea was that when I got married, that I would be given my box of wedding silver. So after I made the pronouncement to my parents that I was never getting married, my mom went away and came back, and she had wrapped up my box of wedding silver in a beautiful wooden chest. She had wrapped it in wedding paper, and she gave it to me, and she said, you should not have to be married to be able to eat with a nice fork. It was 1985. Kathy had almost 15 books out at this point. In 1987, she was involved in the making of an animated Kathy TV special. It won an Emmy. But Kathy didn't stop thinking about that conversation with her parents. I was so moved by the love of a mother. That sort of like replanted the seed in me to become a mom. There's a comic strip where Kathy is talking with her friend, and they noticed how their apartment building's pool looks different than it did last year. All the single men that they used to pick apart are now there with toddlers. Her friend says, life is passing us by, Kathy, and it has such little feet. All I know is that the concept started growing in me, and at some point, I was going to the mall just to look at the babies in the strollers. I mean, I wanted to just, like, pick them up. I needed to have a child in my life. And by that time, by my late 30s, I had learned brilliantly how to fail a relationship. So it was a little tricky at that point to figure out how to be in a relationship that could lead to children. And then Kathy was at a party in Los Angeles and overheard a woman talking. I heard her say loud and proud, if I wind up not marrying somebody, I will just adopt a child on my own. And that's a concept I had never heard in my life. It was 1992. Kathy was in her early 40s. One night, I looked up adoption agencies in the phone book. I wrote down the names and numbers and I buried the list in a stack under a stack of papers on the kitchen counter because it was like too unbelievably overwhelming to really even think about. Like I said, there was zero. It just like wasn't done. Kathy's career was going so well, she felt like maybe she could have it all. I thought, how hard could it be to bring an infant into the mix, you know, that I could rock the baby in one arm, color the Sunday page with the other hand, and while the baby napped, you know, I would write jokes, and then while the baby played, I would draw them. In a bit, Kathy becomes a mom. Talk about act. Stay with us. Can you say advertisements? Advertisements. <laughs> So I'm in the home of Kathy Guyswhite, sitting at her kitchen table. She's laid out fresh fruit for us, some donut holes. Her pet corgi is asleep on my feet. Her new book is called 50 Things That Aren't My Fault. Women tend to take responsibility for everyone and everything. And it's a beautiful quality, but it, of course, leaves us feeling responsible for everything and everyone. And at this age of life, it's just really good to step back, probably at all ages, but especially at this age because time is running out, to just step back and declare those things that are not my fault. Kathy is now 68. No, I'm almost 69. <laughs> I'm 68 and three quarters years old. Who's counting? When Kathy retired her comic strip, 
she didn't retire her observational quips about daily indignities. I can't turn on my television set without calling tech support. In her book and on her Instagram, she takes on travel-sized bottles, the big lash look, pumpkin flavor. I can't buy a pack of plain white paper at Staples. I used to be able to just walk in and buy paper, and now you face this wall of plain white paper. Ditto the toothpaste style. These are silly little things, but I'm telling you that it chips away at your sense of your decision-making skills. But then there are other chapters that are unlike anything Kathy has ever put out there. Using her warmth and humor, she writes about visiting her family burial plot with her aging parents. She writes about how her body is changing in her 60s, how much she'd like the legs she used to hate back. Let's start here. Yes. Here she is reading a passage about adopting her daughter. I fell in love with her long before she was born. I had been pregnant for 41 years with the dream of her the day I first touched the tummy of her birth mother, who was eight months pregnant with the reality of her. One day before, I'd been quietly filing something in my office when a phone call knocked me to my knees. A birth mother came in today who'd like to meet you. What? I choked back. I was single and terrified. I'd only signed up with an adoption facilitator a couple of months earlier and was still wrestling with whether I could or should really do this on my own. Suddenly, there I was, 24 hours later, with my hand touching the rest of my life through the shirt of an equally scared, unbelievably trusting stranger. In one day, I'd gone from the dream of having a daughter someday to being half of a miraculous meeting of two moms, one who was bringing a little girl into the world, one who would take her through it. I would say it isn't possible to describe the bond that grew between my daughter's birth mother and me in the four weeks that followed, except it felt to me, and I'm pretty sure to her too, that our bond was deep and immediate the minute we met. I will never be able to comprehend the selflessness of her love that made it possible for her to seek a life for her child she knew she couldn't provide. I can still hardly breathe when I think of the faith she put in me to be the mom she couldn't be. I drove my daughter's birth mother to the hospital when she went into labor. The admitting nurse asked if we were sisters. So much more than that. I've thought a million times since that night. We are so very much more than that. I held her birth mother's hand while our daughter was being born. I fed the baby that suddenly belonged to both of us tiny bottles in the hospital nursery day and night until she was ready to come home. I made sure our daughter and her birth mother had time alone together in the hospital and that the three of us had a little time together too. Then I drove our daughter home by myself, just the two of us. I was so overwhelmed by the impossibly complicated emotion of driving her away from her birth mother, the incomprehensible joy and responsibility of becoming her life mother, that I couldn't stand to have anyone else in the car. I was on my own and thousands of miles away from family. My daughter and I locked around each other deeply and completely and have been each other's world ever since. Do you remember that car ride? Yeah, I remember the car ride. I drove, uh, I don't know, five miles an hour. I was so afraid. 
that she would wake up and I wouldn't know what to do, that she would start screaming. In those days, you put the baby in the front seat facing backward and I can feel it exactly how it felt to have this infant that was mine suddenly in the car by myself. Kathy worked with an adoption facilitator. She'd asked specifically to adopt a girl. The hardest part of the process was driving away from the birth mother at the hospital. It was wrenching for me. I was never an adoptive mother who was filled with worry that she would want to, you know, claim the baby. I always felt that if she had a change of heart, if it, if if at any time, you know, if she said, you know, I've made the wrong decision, you know, it it was her baby first, but she I mean, she truly was not in a, in any position to raise a child and she knew that. Kathy had made a career out of her sense of humor. So, she used that car ride to try out a joke on her new baby. I remember whispering to her at a stoplight on the corner of Sunset Boulevard and Laurel Canyon that she was adopted, you know, so it would would be less awkward to bring it up later. Kathy's daughter is 28 now. Over the years, they've stayed in touch with the birth mother. There's a chapter in her memoir where Kathy describes sobbing in her dentist's office waiting room. Even though her daughter is all grown up, she picked up one of those parenting magazines. Suddenly, so much regret. How is it possible that she and her daughter never made those caterpillars out of egg cartons? What was she doing that was more important than showing her child how to plant carrot seeds in a hand-painted paper cup, like the good mom on page 26? Kathy imagined yelling for the hygienist, Novocaine! I need Novocaine in the waiting room! When Kathy had been a working mom in the 90s, she'd missed out on a lot of time with her daughter. Truly, I was kind of like the role of a classic dad, you know, where I hired the woman who was pregnant, who gave birth, and who I hired another woman who took care of the baby while I went to work because ultimately I couldn't even work in the same zip code that my daughter was in because I was so, I just was so crazy, crazy, crazy in love with her and I couldn't do anything if I was near her. In the comic strip, Kathy's best friend was always Andrea. And in the comics, Andrea becomes a mom. In one strip, her kitchen is covered in dishes. She's holding a screaming baby, bragging, I can hear my baby's eyes open from five rooms away. I can cook, clean, wash, shop, do freelance consulting, and think of 300 toddler activities per minute while reciting Italian lullabies. To which Kathy says, Andrea? You're putting strained beets in the coffee maker. For Kathy, single motherhood took some getting used to. Okay, this is slightly embarrassing to admit, but for the first pretty much four years of my daughter's life, we always ate dinner slumped on the couch watching cartoons with our plates on our lap. We ate dinner as a mom and daughter just the way I used to eat dinner as a single woman. It never occurred to me that that was wrong until I started dating my husband, and he was just mortified that I wasn't teaching my kid how to sit at a table. Kathy jokes she got married young. She was 47. It was the late 90s. The complication for me of adopting as a single parent was that it was in some way dismissing the enormous role that my own father had in my own life because my dad was Superman. I couldn't believe that I was purposefully raising a kid without having that. 
Kathy married a screenwriter with a young son, and they started a blended family. As her daughter grew up and entered her teenage years, the skills Kathy had honed in her comic strip started to come in handy as a parent. My daughter was always emboldened by hearing about ways that I had failed, not by ways that I had succeeded. She always did and always still asked me all of the questions about shortcomings and failure. You know, Mom, do you ever, like, sit outside a party and worry that everybody else is wearing the right thing and you're wearing the wrong thing? Do you ever just buy all this good vegetables at the grocery store and then you just stop at the fast food place on the way home because you just can't even stand to wash the vegetables? And Do you ever try to not cry at the movies just because you don't want the mascara to run down your face? And just girl questions. In 2010, Kathy got divorced. In her book, she writes... By the time I met the man I married, I had a 9,000-item list of requirements. Some he mowed down on date number one, with sky-blue eyes and sense of humor that made me laugh so hard I cried. The other 8,967, I figured I could fix. She writes that she had so much fun planning their divorce, she could have fallen back in love with him all over again. 2010 was also the year Kathy retired the comic strip. It had been 34 years, and she wanted to spend her daughter's last year at home as a full-time mom. In the book, she writes about getting ready to send her daughter off to college. And I was following this trail of her belongings, the sweatshirts, the teen girl stuff, the socks, the boots, the scrunchies, the hair products, the leftover power cords. I just suddenly was overwhelmed that this time of my life was over and that she was about to leave and take all of this with her and how empty the house was going to be. And I was filled with that emotion until several minutes into it, it occurred to me that she had left for college two days earlier. This wasn't all the stuff she was going to take. This was what she had left behind. This was the debris of a 19-year-old that she had left for her mother to clean up. The, the clothes that I had to hang up, the socks I had to sort, the scrunchies I had to find a place for, all the stuff I still had to ship for her. And I was so filled with the kind of the mixture of irritation that she had left all this for me to do, that I hadn't given her better life skills, that she would do that. And then desperation that, in fact, she had gone, that I just sat on her bed and surrounded myself with her stuffed animals and just started bawling. When Kathy retired the comic strip, she told the New York Times that her creative biological clock was ticking, that she wanted to start a new project. And that day, missing her daughter, is what inspired her to start writing. From all those years of doing the comic strip, when I am on such emotional overload, I just like have to put it down on paper. So I, I started writing about what that felt like. And that turned into an essay called, It Took a Village. As a single parent in those early days, raising her kid, 3,000 miles away from her family, Kathy's village was soft and fluffy. My village was stuffed animals, <laughs> and that was my support system when she was a baby. Those are the people who knew what kind of mom I was, who the bunny named Bob witnessed everything. He witnessed the, the crying when she was a baby and the shrieking when she was a teenager, and that was my village. In a bit, the person responsible for bringing both Kathy's into the world. Don't go away. <laughs> Advertisements. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm in the home of Kathy Guyswhite. It's almost the end of our interview, 
and we both nab a donut hole out of the bowl she laid out, pop them in our mouths. We were just talking about sending her daughter off to college, and I asked Kathy to read a passage from her memoir about the first time her daughter came home from college. I'm weaving through airport people now as fast as possible. I've had time to rest and reflect and have two months of things built up that I want to say. I can't wait to tell her how proud I am of how she's making it through her first year of college, how amazed I am by her bravery and determination, that I understand how hard she's working to figure out who she is independent from me. I finally get through the crowd to where she's standing. I stop to catch my breath, so grateful to see her. All my love and longing, my pride and admiration, my eagerness to have a relaxed, happy visit this time. It all wells up, ready to pour out. I put my hands on her shoulders to pull her close. I listen in sick disbelief to the first words I say. Did you brush your hair today, honey? She stops smiling and glares. Mom... What is it about mothers and daughters and hair? <laughs> I don't what know. What is it? I don't know. I love, obviously, I love writing about moms and daughters. I love that beautiful tangle. My daughter is my best friend in the world. We are crazy about each other, but we, you know, we make each other insane, just as my mom and I make each other insane. That beautiful mother-daughter tangle is essential to her origin story as a creative person, too. Back when the comic strip started in the mid-1970s, Kathy's first comics were meant for her mom. Kathy was home from work, eating everything she could find in the fridge, waiting for Mr. Wrong to call. But she was sick of writing the same things in her journal. So she drew. The first cartoon really grew from a drawing I did just of me sitting there waiting and writing and eating. And I sent that to mom in complete confidence. Her mom insisted that this could become Kathy's career. It was my mom who went to the library, research comic strip syndicates. Mom typed a list of syndicates in the order that she thought I should approach. And then it was mom who said, if you don't send these in to somebody, I'll send them in with a cover note from mom. Kathy eventually started drawing her mom, too. Because in her exciting, independent life as a comic artist, she never stopped needing her mom's support. When I decided, you know, on a whim to move to California after the comic strip had started... And it meant leaving everything safe and familiar. Mom was the one who said, I'll drive with you, you know, and I will. She, even in that, mom allowed me to feel like I was doing this great, big, independent, courageous thing. But my mom was sitting in the (laughs) passenger seat, you know, nine inches away, my mommy, as I drove to California to begin my big independent life. Over the years in Kathy Comics, you see her mom constantly struggling to try to support her daughter but not be too controlling. In one strip, cartoon Kathy and her mom are lying on lounge chairs by the pool. Her mom's eyes are closed, but she's thinking, did Kathy put on enough sunscreen? Is she drinking enough fluids? Did she remember to turn off her coffee pot? Kathy looks over. You sleep, mom? Her mom replies, mothers never sleep. We just worry lying down with our eyes shut. She has always just said that raising her daughters was the most important thing that she's ever done, and she wouldn't have traded a second of it. But I always felt like I could give her a voice in the comic strip by writing. I could write the words that she couldn't had the opportunity to write. Kathy's mom's voice was even put to use in Kathy's new audiobook, 
A spry 90-year-old, Kathy's mom read her own lines. Expiration dates are a big scam. And even that line from the fork story. You shouldn't have to be married to eat with a nice fork. There's a video online of Kathy coaching her mom through this. What? More like just what? 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 You lurched again. Do you want to drive? Right. Do you want to drive? Do you want to drive? Yeah, like that. In the comic strip, we only ever knew cartoon Kathy as a daughter, never as a mother. That is, until the very last comic strip she ever published. In it, Kathy arrives at the front door of her parents' house. She's pointing at her belly. Her mom falls to her knees. I'm going to be a grandma. A little thought bubble is coming out of Kathy's belly with a lowercase pink ack. I wanted the strip to end with the feeling that it was continuing, the story was continuing, and that Kathy now was going to have to be a mom to a daughter just like her mom was to her. Part of me feels cheated sometimes. How come we never saw cartoon Kathy as a mom? How come she was stuck in those dating and dreaming years, always going on bad dates and trying on new swimsuits? When I asked real Kathy about this, she answered me honestly. She didn't want to draw her daughter into the comic, and she knew motherhood was being done well by other artists. But now that I know her full story, when I read Kathy, I wonder if her life is fixed in place and time almost as a cautionary tale. I will say that I'm traumatized by how close I came to not being a mother because I was not on a path to becoming a mother. And it's my favorite thing in my life. It's the most important thing in my life that I've done. At the end of our interview, Kathy took out a pen to sign my book. She drew a picture of Kathy holding a tiny little girl's hand. She signed it to Andrea and your beautiful new future. Kathy Geiswhite is the author of 50 Things That Aren't My Fault. It's dedicated to her mom. Next time on The Longest Shortest Time, I'm not done talking to Kathy. Can we talk about you? (laughs) (laughs) Is this where we can jump over to you? What would you want to (laughs) know? Well, so, because I know that you're like, you're like right around the time when I was declaring I wasn't going to have a child. You were kind of at that age. And I know that you've been actively wanting a child for a lot longer than I have. So where are you in the process of thinking about it? Do not miss our three-part series. It's called A Single Lady's Guide to Sperm Shopping. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time on Stitcher or wherever you're listening right now. This episode was produced by me, Andrea Salenzi, with Elizabeth Nakano and Jackie Sajiko. Our editor is Abigail Keel, who's also the senior producer of a show we love. It's called Unladylike. Our show's creator and executive producer is Hilary Frank. Our engineer is Pete Karam. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov. We get editorial support from Peter Clowney, Antonia Akatunde, Anne-Marie Baldonado, Rekha Murthy, and Julia Wang. As always here at the longest shortest time we want to hear your stories we have some teenagers coming into the studio and we're going to ask them to give you guys parenting advice send in your questions for our teen panel just go to longestshortesttime.com hit the participate tab and submit your questions
adventure.